Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Therapized, the podcast where we listen to stories from LGBTQ plus individuals and people of color about their experiences in therapy. Thank you all so much for all of the support from our first episode last week. I'm really glad that this project seems to have struck a chord with some of you guys. So my name is Cassie, and without further ado, let's meet Chris. It is now recording. Okay, we made it. We're here. Welcome, Chris. I'm so Hello. excited you're here. I'm excited to be here. So today, everybody, we're hearing from my good friend, Chris. Chris currently lives in New York. She is a new New Yorker. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris. Yeah, I just moved from New York. No, from Texas. Good Lord. From Texas to New York just uh, two weeks ago today. Yes, I've made it. I'm an actor. Uh, This was a really weird time for me to decide to move to New York City in the middle of a pandemic, but it worked out with like timing uh, and like financially. So I'm here. Um, I'm glad to have you. I've known Cassie from like children's theater back in the day. We're old pals. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't really become close until like recently though. It's true. Okay, I have three questions for you to start Let's us go. off. Okay. What is your favorite kind of nut butter? I'm basic. I like creamy peanut butter. Creamy. Okay, I'm a crunchy gal. Uh, can't do it. Question number two. What is your favorite milk substitute? Oat milk, 1,000%. Mm. Um, I've been a barista for four years. Oat milk is the best, and I'm an expert on the subject. So I concur. I concur. Just saying. If you had to choose, would you go to the beach or the mountains? Mountains. Okay. There we go. Now we know everything there is to know about Chris. We're basically Chris experts. So we can launch into the podcast. So to start off, you're really open about like your mental health history and it's really great. Could you tell us just a little bit about your experiences with mental health? Yeah. So I've been in therapy literally my whole life. I think my first therapist, I was probably like three or four for like behavioral issues. I would just like act out for attention, um, which is probably why I'm an actor now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, and then I started like, and I tell therapists this now, and they're kind of shocked by this. Um, I started medicating for depression when I was five or six, I was in kindergarten and I started taking Zoloft. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty, I guess, relatively early, uh, which I didn't learn until recently. I thought it was like a normal thing, but it's not, not to say it's a bad thing, but so I've been in therapy for all my life. I can't even like count the amount of therapists I have been through. I've been through really, really good ones and really, really bad ones. I also almost, almost exactly two years ago, went to a psychiatric hospital and then right after when that made everything terrible and worse I went to like an IOP uh in Washington state for a month and it like saved my life and since then I've had nothing but pretty good therapist once I like land on one Mm -hmm. 
So that's the long and short of it. So you have a lot of experience knowing like what you want and what you don't want out of it. Which is therapist. helpful, but it also makes me picky, which is a little <laughs> tricky. I feel like if you're sharing your whole life with somebody, you're allowed to be pretty freaking picky. It is. I um I always describe it as like dating but more expensive, like way <laughs> more expensive. Um because so you it's have like to dating in New York. <laughs> Dude, yeah, our <laughs> drinks are like $18. <laughs> yeah. But it's like literally you're paying like upwards of $100, usually more, depending on your insurance, to tell somebody all of your feelings and then maybe find out that session or like two sessions later that they're not going to work out for you. And then you got to start from scratch and you just kind of start memorizing your story and not getting anywhere, it feels like. So it can be frustrating mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure. But uh, once you click with somebody, it's so great so Chris you have BPD and you're really open about that I feel like a lot of people don't know what that looks like or may have some misunderstandings about that and I could describe it in like clinical DSM terms but I feel like that's not nearly as helpful as hearing from you like what do you see BPD as what is living with it like etc yeah I always (laughs) I make the joke that uh, BPD is like bipolar but faster (laughs) Um, because it really is so what it is is usually it's oh explain the acronyms to us my bad oh BPD is uh borderline (laughs) (laughs) that's helpful uh it's borderline personality disorder borderline personality disorder so it's uh it sounds like and this is the big misconception is it sounds like multiple personalities but it's Mm -hmm. not when you have it, it's usually based on trauma that you had typically during childhood or adolescence, sometimes after that. Um, mine is a fun little combo of traumas. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, I, I get a lot of uh, mood swings. So I take medication to regulate my mood. And with bipolar, and correct me if I'm wrong. But I think bipolar, you get your depressions and mania, like it can be like a week-long thing. Yeah, they're, they're discrete events in time. You can like very clearly see like this was a certain amount of time of depression, and then there was a certain amount of time of mania. And borderline for me has been like all, I can literally go through both in a day mm-hmm. um, or two days. And, I, you know, you start figuring out for yourself like, what my your own symptoms are like I'm about to have a manic (laughs) moment or I'm about to have it but like sometimes it's really really hard to detect so it's taken a lot of like mindfulness and intuition of my own self Mm -hmm. um but I don't know would you say that's a good description yeah I think that's a great description do you feel like people when, when you've told them that you have BPD have had like misconceptions about that yeah, the immediate misconception is uh, that I have multiple personalities mm-hmm. or that it's like similar to schizophrenia. So, and it, it is not. It's not. <laughs> Just to be clear, it is very much not. I do usually send everybody an article uh, when they ask me about it. Like, I'll describe it, but then, so the article to look up if you're curious is if you just Google like Marsha Linehan New York Times interview. Marshall uh, Linehan is amazing. Yes, she founded a dialectical behavioral therapy, which I'm a pretty big fan of. And it's it's made specifically for people with borderline, but it's used for several mm-hmm. other... And Marsha herself has borderline, so she knows yes. that lived experience. 
And so that interview uh, describes her experience with that. I'll put that interview in the episode notes for anyone who's interested to it's read a good more one. about that. And now you really liked your most recent therapist. Tell me a little about that. Yes, I loved her so much. And it's weird because I wasn't even like really supposed to see her at first. I uh, There was like this therapy, I don't know, like conglomerate or group or whatever. And they... <laughs> they assigned me with one person and she was pretty good, but like, we didn't like click click, but like it worked and it's what mm-hmm. I needed. And then she got another job somewhere else. And I was like, Oh fuck. I don't know if I can curse on here, but I was like, ah, shit. <laughs> I have like, you can bleep me out. Um, I have attachment issues. And like now my therapist <laughs> is leaving me. Um, and uh, that therapist like assigned me to somebody else within like, I guess the company. And we clicked so fast. She, it's hard for me to express to my therapist what I'm trying to get out of therapy. Cause like, sometimes I'm not sure, but she just kind of had this intuition about me and she kind of got it. It felt like talking to a friend, uh, but there was those boundaries there where like, I'm paying you, so you have to be on my side, but not really. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. um, I mean, she'd be objective and that's what I need. So she'd like be objective when I needed it or be on my side when I needed it. When I was complaining about like certain people, she would curse them out to me. And I just, you know, like, or like I literally, I made a website for my acting and she checked it out like during our therapy session. I also recommended my favorite coffee roaster. She ordered it. Like she really like, she thought about me outside of the sessions, um, which matters a lot to me. Yeah, she's just really, really cool. We really got along. Um, however, it sucks because she can. Only, she's only licensed in Texas, and now I'm in New York, and I have to find a new therapist, and I'll miss mm-hmm. her a lot. But and so, did your past therapist do DBT with you? Was that part of y'all's work? Not so much because it helped a lot when I was in the IOP. Mm-hmm. Um, but it to have it like mapped out for me because DBT is very like it gives you categories mm-hmm. and like terms to use for things, uh, which is very and nice. Skills. Yeah. 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 It's like very specific, a very specific set of skills. Ha ha ha. But I, in therapy, I don't like that as much in one-on-one therapy because it makes everything feel very like clinical and like just, I don't like it in one-on-one therapy as much just because it feels so clinical. But whenever she needed to, she could be like, okay, well, do you want to look at like checking the facts or do you want to look at, she just threw it in there when I needed to, didn't mm-hmm. feel solely based on DBT. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I was like, I don't want to use that kind of terminology right now, she'd be like, okay, well, let's look at it this way. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So what is it like now looking for a therapist in New York City? Uh, it's tough. I did get lucky that my therapist from Texas like sent me a list of uh, people to look into. Oh, that's nice. Um, I've gone through about half the list now, and there's a lot of wait lists here, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, it's very different from small town Texas. So I also feel like COVID hit hard and everyone was like, and everybody oh, I do need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God, like, I think everybody does need therapy. And it's you true. Know, but it's also, it's, 
yeah, just finding somebody has been a little difficult. Um, I'm still going through the list, but if everybody on that list is like not available, I'll go on like psychology today and do all the filters and everything. But like I said, it's like expensive dating. So I'm, I'm not looking forward to this process, but it needs to happen. You need like a therapist matchmaker. For real. Can we have like Tinder for therapy? Like just like we already know it's like dating a little bit. So let's just really commit and have someone set people up. (laughs) That's such a billion dollar idea. Like okay, do you want to start an app with me? Let's do it. Uh, (laughs) The Kickstarter link will be available in the notes. Available in the notes below. (laughs) (laughs) Now, so speaking of dating. You come, so you come from a pretty religious background, which I know, but as you grew up, you realized that you were not straight, which is kind of the go-to for a lot of uh, religious backgrounds. Um, What was that like? Did you process that in therapy? So not so much. Um, I'm bisexual, which I've just, it's never, it's come up in therapy, but never like issues with it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's been, like, I've discussed the issue of, like, not feeling accepted by some of my family and peers uh, growing up because of that. But also, I didn't discover it till a very late age, and I was already kind of, like, almost out of the house. Mm-hmm. And um, all my friends were already, like, super liberal theater people, like, <laughs> all of the gayest people that one could find in Central Texas. I've never, like, really discussed it in therapy. But it also, I it, it was harder in Texas to find like uh, an LGBTQ accepting therapist. That was always kind of a risk going in. I've noticed that I was using the Psychology Today search tool to kind of help help some of my friends who were looking for therapists narrow down their lists and. The, the number of people who actually listed, like, I work with LGBTQ populations were, like, one out of five. I was like, I don't want to send you to the other four just in case that's traumatic. Yeah. But in New York, I'm guessing it's going to be a little... It should be a little easier, I think. Bigger pool, yeah. Knock on wood, but, you know. <laughs> Here. Knocked. Done. So what is your favorite thing to do for self-care, Chris? Um, I'm so bad at self-care. Like I preach it, I preach it to everybody and then I don't. Um, I am getting back into reading. Uh, I was a huge bookworm as a kid, like to the point that I got in trouble for reading like past bedtime or in class and stuff. Um, so I'm trying to get back into reading. Very occasionally I will paint. I'm picking up piano again. I guess it's just like keeping myself busy Mm-hmm. Um, I used to take a lot of baths. I don't so much anymore. Maybe I should again. Baths were nice. Baths were a good time. Are there certain things that you know help you more when you can like feel yourself going into depression or feel a little mania coming on? Definitely painting has helped with that. I have a I have a past with self-harm and I have found like painting or drawing or doodling. Uh, is a really good alternative to that for me Mm -hmm. it replaces the sensation enough to get past that like moment I also really like making my room smell nice so essential oils Mm -hmm. or candles 
And then I, I got a weighted blanket recently. Um, oh, so I'll yes. just like snuggle up in that guy and like watch a movie. I have a couple of go-to movies for comfort. So it's awesome. It's good that you know, like how to take care of yourself. I should do awesome. it more. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I need to do more of it, but like I have things to do. I'm going to start texting you. Like, have you done self-care? I know. Um, how are you doing? Mo keeps, uh, she makes me send pictures of me drinking water to her. So <laughs> Are like, you hydrated? <laughs> and I'll have to be like, here's, here's me and my water. I love it. It's a good friendship. So not directly related, but kind of related to mental health. You have a cat. Tell me about your cat. Um, yeah, she is definitely related to mental health. Um, she brings me so much joy. She's such a little brat. Like, she's so annoying. But I love her so much. And she's such a pal. Um, she is in Texas right now, uh, which has been hard for me the past two weeks because I am very emotionally attached to her. And I feel very lonely when I'm not with her. But um, I'm working on the plan to get her up here soon. So we'll see how that works out. Emotional support animals are real. She is such a companion, like mm-hmm. for real. And like, and even just needing to like, knowing you need to get out of bed to like feed this animal that depends on you. To have that responsibility helps a yeah. lot. Yeah. And then just like cuddling with her. I'm such a, I, I really like physical touch. And you know, there's not always, especially now, especially during COVID, <laughs> that's like not always a possibility. So, you know, just having the warmth and like, her purring, snuggling with me. It's, it's really nice. Aww. Good little soothing. Yeah. <laughs> I miss her. <laughs> I have cried over her uh, the, a couple days ago. Like, I literally cried for, like, a good amount of time over my cat. Sometimes I see pictures of my cat and I tear up a little. I'm like, look at the toe beads. <laughs> <laughs> it should be embarrassing, but I'm not it's, no, it's not embarrassing at all. I <laughs> FaceTimed my sister in the middle of the night. Or it was the middle of the night here. I guess it was like a decent time in her world. But like, I was like, I need to talk to Pepper. And she's hanging out with her boyfriend. And I was like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> Doesn't matter. Get the cat. So I got to talk to Pepper. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on this podcast and trusting us with your story. I think it's really helpful for people and thank you for being like so open with your mental health journey I feel like that's really validating for a lot of people who don't know if they can be open yeah I hope somebody gets like some good out of that Mm -hmm. yeah I I'm so open about it because I feel like it's an important thing to talk about and I'm glad the stigma around mental health is kind of starting to disappear it's really Mm -hmm. good I feel like the upcoming generation is pretty pretty open about mental health they'll be like no can't hang out today I got therapy (laughs) like love it yeah that's fair that's a good reason I really genuinely think everybody should go to therapy if it's like within their means financially Mm -hmm. I agree so I'll keep I'll keep caught up with you on your search for a therapist yes please do absolutely thanks so much Chris yes it was fun 